Only by contending with challenges that seem beyond your strength to handle at the moment, you can grow more surely toward the stars. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Not A Paid Sponsored Podcast. It has been such a long time since we have last spoken with each other. I hope you guys have your tinfoil hats ready because we're going to be talking about anything and everything under the sun. We're going to be talking uh, health updates, COVID conspiracies, MMA drama, uh, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. We're going to be talking about astrology, uh, gluten-free Oreos, Lady Gaga, and much more. Sit tight and enjoy the episode. This is the Not A Paid Sponsor Podcast. Hey everybody, what's going on? It's been a long time since we last saw you. How long has it been? Eight months. Eight whole months. Last episode was sometime in April. Uh, I was still recovering from my uh, previous hospital stint. But lo and behold, here we are. Nice and healthy, kind of, sort of, maybe. Mostly. Mostly. We're getting there. I am uh, working my way up to the next big surgery. Hopefully the doctors think they can take this thing out once for all. Going for the big kill. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can speak about this stuff in the past tense instead of the current. Remember that time. Exactly. So I hope everybody's doing good. Uh, we hope you guys had a lovely Thanksgiving for whatever it was. If you guys didn't get a chance to see your family members this Thanksgiving, obviously due to the Corona apocalypse, and you guys probably had to Skype your or Zoom or I don't even know if people still use Skype anymore, but or video chat your way through your Thanksgiving. We hope you guys enjoyed it, at least to some extent. I personally, we chose to travel. Don't judge us. That's mm. just, you know, I but don't know how many Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many Thanksgivings I'm going to have left on this planet Earth. And I figured, you know, since everybody in my family, we all, we're all very close to each other. We all have basically taken the necessary precautions and we're all still here breathing. So... We, you know, we enjoyed our Thanksgiving together. It was a beautiful get-together. Uh, first time our family's been together uh, in about, uh, you know, our full family has been together. Our full immediate families, rather, have been together in about 30 years since uh, uh, we all kind of split off. I stood in New York, mother and sister out in Virginia, uncles out in Tennessee. So, uh, you know, it's just really nice to just be around some family for once instead of being isolated. I've already been quarantining for over a year so you know just had to get out and it was good for my son too he's also been really he's been negatively impacted by this you know I feel like the kids really are the ones that suffer the most you know although they're enjoying this time uh now you know oh yeah I get to stay home I get to play Roblox and whatever all day and my you know like I get to bust out on video games all day it's really killing the kids to to be this cooped up for this amount this this much amount of time so it's killing me to be cooped up this amount of time i believe it so you know like i said for what it was i hope you guys had a safe and healthy thanksgiving i hope everybody out there is doing good uh, yeah but i guess staying on the covid uh trail one of the things we decided to do and i'm pretty sure a lot of americans decided or just i would say americans just say people in general a lot of people started getting like quarantine pets my sister got two dogs my mother's on her way to getting a dog uh we chose to get fish um you know i, I think when we they're hypoallergenic <laughs> yeah when we first got into the fish keeping hobby um I guess you could call us one of the ignoramuses. We didn't do a lot of research. We just kind of got a small tank, threw some fish in there, and hope you know hope for the best. And fish keeping was not this hard before because I remember helping my mom keeping my other fish. I feel like there was just a lot your mom maybe just didn't choose to tell you about it. You know? No, like, I tell, I'm like, mom, did you know this? She's like, nah, really. And then, and then also, I also was reading a lot of fish keeping back in the day, where a lot of people, you know, like people that really were into fish keeping. You had to go look for those people, you know, like... My mom was not, like, an internet person, so yeah, there was so there no was way just she was going to be part there were of people a real that hobby, got, you know? There were people that just got fish tanks. They were probably told, listen, set up your fish tank, get some fish in there, and pray that they live through the cycle. And, you know, that was basically, like, the old school way of amateur fish keeping. But, the, you know, with YouTube and 
you know, the explosion of the internet age, you know, the, the, the way that fish keeping has evolved is like on another level. And I mean, we had to end up getting bigger tanks because we didn't want to keep our fish in, you know, too small of a tank. We didn't want to deprive them of living a full and happy life. So, you know, we went, we started off with a small tiny tank and then we upgraded to a 10 gallon and now we're working our way into a 20 gallon. 20 long. 20 long, yeah, because we have some catfish and they suggest that you get a long tank because they're ver uh, vertical, sw uh, they're horizontal swimmers, not vertical swimmers. So, um, and the majority of them are caught in shallow waters. So, we got that tank set up just uh, this morning. I put the heater, the filter, and all that stuff. So, we're going to get that. Anywho, long story short, we're fish keepers now. What kind of pets are you guys keeping? Feel free to drop it in the comment section. Message me on Twitter or whatever. Drop me an email. Um, I'm curious, for those of you guys who may have not had pets, who may have decided to get pets during the quarantine, tell us what you got. Did you get fish? Did you get lizards? Did you get dogs? Did you get a bird? I wanted a lizard. Did you get a full-blown farm? Did you say, screw it, I'm living off the grid. I'm getting chickens <laughs> and cows and pigs. And, you know, we're just going to do this our own way. Man. Pardon me while we take a sip of coffee. Um, still on the COVID train. Don't worry, we're not going to spend forever on this. But um, I want to say that the hardest part about COVID has been really my son. You know, seeing him deprived of all the things that make kids, you know, like, you know, having these young kids have to live in this age of fear. You know, like this borderline middle-aged fear you know that this is back huh i said the dark ages basically this coronavirus is basic you know it's the plague it's, it's the plague it essentially is a a, a a pneumonia like plague you know these kids are like terrified they're developing these complexes they're afraid to go out even to do the most mundane of tasks um you know i'm hoping that it's over soon you know he's going to be going back to school uh this week I'm hoping that the city doesn't, you know, you know, allow him to go back to school. And then, you know, within a couple of days of going back to school, then we get a letter in the mail saying, hey, listen, we're going to be shutting down the schools again. Um, that'll piss me off. That'll piss everybody off. Yeah, that, that, that's, I mean, because we were supposed to be going back to school in the beginning of November, and then they shut down the schools. And then they were going to shut down the schools till the beginning of next year. I guess the schools have petitioned, they lobbied against it, and now they're going to be opening up the schools for the month of December. So, you know, if you guys got kids, for those of you guys got kids out there, stay safe. Make sure you, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, wear your masks. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing you guys' experience. Um, for those of you guys who are parents and or maybe you, maybe you yourself are in school and uh, maybe you'll tell us how you're going through that whole ordeal. Um, how is how's it different from learning from a person like in person? Yeah, how's your experience with remote learning? Versus just looking at them on the Although there's, screen. You know, for at least people in college, you know, they've already had the taste of remote. Most of them have had the taste of remote learning because they ha they've already had systems in place. Yeah. You know, to email teachers when the teacher's not in. You know, they've already been operating on a remote-like schedule. So, um, well, I'm talking about like maybe like a high schooler. Yeah. Like they're a senior. How, how's that going? For you youngins out there. Um, I hear that we're closer than ever to getting a vaccine. I don't know per se if, I mean, I'll put it this way. My oncologist has not even remotely recommended that I get the COVID vaccine. And as a cancer patient, if my doctor's telling me or not telling me to get it, then I'm honestly in no rush. I'm of the mindset that we need at least five to seven years of clinical data to show whether this vaccine really does work. Then again, some people are going to kick me in the butt for saying that. Like, hey, man, you're you're one of those at-risk people. You should be one my, of those people. My doctor definitely yelled at me for it. Huh? My doctor, I, was, I told my doctor I wasn't sure if I was going to get it right away because I don't know if I can, you know, can you really trust it when it first first comes out, so, when it came out so fast. She was like, you better be able to trust it. And she, like, yelled at me. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Pardon me, this coffee's good. Um, You're welcome. Studies say that people with colorectal cancer are likely to survive their ordeal if they drink one to two cups of coffee a day. Um, mm. I just don't trust it. I'm sorry. 
I, 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 that's just me. People could say what they want to say about its efficacy rate and, you know, its success rate, you know, let the first group of people go. If it shows promise and, you know, they find a way to upload a video on YouTube where they lock somebody in a coronavirus filled gas chamber. But look what Interpol is saying. But that's right. Going into that in Interpol. How could you trust a vaccine when you have Interpol saying, giving out a, 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 a international warning. warning, warning us that crime syndicates there's an onslaught and organized crime syndicates are going to be uh there's a chance that they Fakes could be stolen. either stealing the vaccine for themselves their warning of terrorists potentially poisoning vaccines biological warfare on another level taking advantage of mass hysteria people are going to be desperate to get their hands on the vaccine what are the chances that one of these hospitals gets a bad batch of covid you know, that one of these cartels have put out there, you know, like, I'm just speaking into the wind here. So don't take what I'm saying, my, my, my harebrained Eddie Bravo conspiracy theories, you know, to heart. These are just some of the things that we come across. And these are concerns, at least that I have. Uh, no, do, you're asking me if I have a concern that the Yakuza are going to taint my uh only south nassau yeah you know yeah that they're gonna taint my hospital's uh, coronavirus vaccines with uh cyanide no i'm just saying for me my only concern is whether the virus is a, the vaccine is effective or not that's all i really care about and uh you know i have a family full of sick people i don't want this thing to be where you know that the risk is greater than the reward that's all i'm saying i haven't gotten sick I haven't even gotten a knock on wood. I haven't gotten a cold in several years. But Anthony, you got cancer. That's neither here nor there. Just saying. Um, if you guys are going to get the vaccine, are you going to get it? Feel free to let us know. Again, uh, we're going to have a very big suggestion box, hopefully, by the next episode. Um, a lot of people getting busted for COVID. Traveling. COVID traveling. COVID fight clubs. We had several fight clubs in the South Bronx that were busted up or that were broken. Was it a fight club that was in the Bronx? It was the there, fight. There was it, one in Manhattan too, though. It was a fight club in the Bronx. And then it was like several clubs in Manhattan where they were like just full blown parties without liquor license. They were, I mean, they were busting people left and right, you know, and yeah. it's these irresponsible people that will not report whether they've come into contact with anyone that may or may not have been in the virus, in contact with the virus. No, I wasn't at that party. You know, and it sucks because we all want to move on from this. But every time we get close to moving on, a we hear some... A little bit of stupid season. Yeah, a little bit of stupid gets in the Kool-Aid. And we start watching these horrifying stories of people just blatantly disregarding, you know, even the most basic of practices. You know what I'm saying? My gripe, man, this COVID, I guess it brings to mind COVID fatigue, you know, COVID fatigue, people just being absolutely exhausted with having to follow the guidelines. For instance, there are a lot of mom and pop stores that weren't allowed to stay open that essentially they were essential businesses like mom and pop's hardware stores, mom and pop's pharmacies, mom and pop's this and that that they were shut down, yet you're going to allow these big chain stores Walgreens. like Walmart, Walgreens, Home Depot, you're going to let these big guys stay open and you're not going to let the mom and pop stores stay open. See, they that let Dollar Tree stay open. But again, that's a chain store. That's what I'm saying. That, that For chains, if that, if that can stay open, then I think... Yeah, if like you're going to let a Dollar Tree stay open, why not let the mom and pop stores stay open? So that, to me, was a little crappy, you know? Um... And if it's one thing that's going to go down in the history books alongside Donald Trump and the past four years of the election is how America turned into a reality TV show. You know, like anything yep. that can go wrong will go wrong. Today, we account for globally like 20-something percent of all COVID deaths. 
We are the leading country in total cases, and I think we account for over 22% of all deaths. That is as of today, December 5th. You know what I'm saying? Like, people got to be looking like America is a joke. I mean... We got 279,000 deaths. And we are definitely on top. I know. I know China underreported their numbers, but then again, it's China. You know what I'm saying? You see what's going on over in Hong Kong and people fighting for democracy over there. And I don't know. It just it just feels like such a shite show. And I don't want to get too depressed. And, and you know, now actually kind of making me sad because I'm looking over the podcast note and we got a we have an obituary section that we're going to get to later where we kind of pay respects to the lives that we've lost in the year 2020. Um, but anywho, let us close the book on COVID. Let us move on from the pandemic and go on to our next session. Honey, what do you have for us? The next thing was the obituaries. Really? We're moving from COVID to the obituaries? Yeah, we're going to get that out of the way and then we're going to talk about cool stuff like MMA after that. All right, well... Unless you want to switch. I guess, you know, to stay on the mum, a lot, I mean, I don't know, just like 2020 is so, like, it's going to be a phrase now, that is so 2020. You know, when you associate terrible, you know, terrible things that have happened, you know, our obituaries are as follows. These are the famous people that we have lost this year. Kobe Bryant, Kenny Rogers, Fred Curley, Neil, Little Richard, Jerry Stiller, Grant Imahara from Mythbusters, oh, Regis Philman, Chadwick Boseman, Eddie Van Halen, Sean Connery, Alex Trebek, David Prowse, and Hugh Keys Byron. There's more, but those There's are people totally that... There's totally more, but I was just like, we had to cut the list short, so may you all rest in peace, and uh, may you find peace in too. the afterlife, because I'll tell you what, this world is not worth living in right now with all this nonsense. Um... We had, while we were away on Thanksgiving break, we had the Roy Jones-Mike Tyson ordeal. A lot of people giving it flack because it's like, how much did Mike, you know, how much could Mike Tyson and Roy Jones possibly have left to contribute with respects to giving us a competitive matchup? And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't say Roy Jones gave us his best showing. It was a lot of hugging. You could tell Mike Tyson was getting pissed off. There was that one round where he, he was... Bit his, his, where he his bit his... Yeah, you could see it. And they put that shit in slow-mo, too. He looked right at Roy Jones, just like, bit down on his glove. And I'm like, ooh, oh, no. <laughs> I don't want none of that. But you could tell, yo, Mike Tyson, he didn't knock out Roy Jones. But, man, that dude get... Put him in a street fight. A street fight, he did yeah. it for sure. He definitely knocking somebody the F out in a street fight. And props to him, you know... During the pay-per-view, they had interviewed him and, you know, he had asked, like, what do you hope to achieve, you know, by by having, you know, by getting in there in the ring? And, you know, Mike Tyson basically said, he's like, this is not really for me. And and in some way, this is kind of like a humanitarian effort. And at first I was like, eh, humanitarian effort? Uh, You know, then again, there's a, you know, and, uh, you know, don't trying to find the right way to say this. I kind of agree. You know, this was kind of a humanitarian effort and that boxing has been hurt big time by COVID. Combat sports took a huge hit. Bellator, I mean, UFC was obviously the first one back. Uh, You know, Bellator, PFL, boxing as a whole, you know, these guys have all taken a backseat during the coronavirus, vowing that they're going to make sure that the sport comes back safe. Um... Obviously, the UFC has had their fair share of positive COVID cases. Um, Jacare Souza, to to name one. Um, Gilbert Burns. uh, Leon Edwards, most recently, uh, testing positive. Um, Combat sports really took a hit. And there's a lot of boxers out there that are struggling. And it was kind of nice, although it was a celebrity, a predominantly celebrity-focused event. Although Mike Tyson and Roy Jones are boxers, 
they've become more celebrities since they've retired. So I would kind of lump them in there, you know, as a celebrity boxing event as well. well uh, Mike Tyson gave us a great show. You know, we had, uh, I forgot what the guy's name was, Cortez Ortiz that fought in the first one. Uh, the first round, he scored like a, a really early knockout. Um, then you had Badu Jack versus Jack Hermans, uh, Jack McKern Jake McKernan or something like that. Mike McKernan. Hold on. I forgot that. Right McKernan was his last name. The former Army uh, Army veteran. Blake. Blake McKernan. Jesus. Pardon me, Blake. No, don't don't hate me. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty good showing from Badu Jack. Blake McKernan going down in weight. Um, Blake McKernan going down in weight. Uh, Jermaine Ortiz defeating uh, uh, Sagawa. Is a knockout in the a TKO in the seventh round. Sorry, so it wasn't really early. It was uh, the second to last round. I think they were eight round ordeals, uh, eight round bouts. Um, but yeah, we at least got to see two, you know, pretty decent events. Although McKernan didn't really show a lot. That was the one that I was a little bit more critical of because McKernan, um, first of all, he had one pectoral, much. That <laughs> was way bigger. A la Israel Adesanya where Izzy had that, like, saggy boob thing. McKernan also had a boob that was one teat was noticeably larger than the I'm other one. You, the tattoos didn't help. And it was, was his... Little words, the other one had giant words. What did we say he was? He was Southpaw, right? Yeah, we thought he was Southpaw, but then we he We thought wasn't. he was Southpaw. It turns out he was Orthodox, mm. right? And it was his uh, jabbing hand that had the large teat. So it was the right pictorial, right? Orthodox? Wait, Orthodox is... No, it was his right. It was his left. It one was his was... left one that was large. Orthodox. I'm sorry, I'm trying to brush up on my uh... directions. Directions, yeah. <laughs> um, and that fight, I was a little bit more critical of McKernan because he didn't really have anything. I think at one round, I think he only threw two punches. Um, but he didn't go out either. And then he was like constantly shaking his head, like he kept like you know, almost like he had a like a case of fleas or something and he just he kept shaking his head and in between rounds he had mentioned to his corner that he believes that he may have suffered a neck injury i'm not sure if that was something that happened in the fight or you know prior to the fight but whatever it was it was really really bothering him and credit to him because you know he's a sing he was a single dad going out there against somebody like Badu Jack I don't know. I, I I wasn't too sure of the. I didn't follow the pre the the pre fight trash talk. Uh, but for me, it kind of looked like this was a tune up for Badu Jack. Can Badu Jack fight somebody that is heavier? And it to me, it looked like he passed the test. So I'm curious to see, you know, where he goes from here. Um, and then we had the Jake Paul match against Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson, 38 years old, former NBA player. Jake Paul, aspiring boxer, uh, YouTube personality. Um, his brother, Logan, uh, former wrestler himself. Highly athletic, the athletic family. The fight looked silly. I'll say that. It really looked silly. Nate Robinson was just running full speed into Jake Paul then there was a there was a scene where uh, a sequence where Nate runs in and like some sort of tangle happens and then Jake ends up hitting oh when he hit him in the back of the and head and hit him in the back of the head Nate yeah. Robinson goes face down into the canvas and he's petitioning to the ref like man you know like rubbing the back of his head like come on man like word like you know and the referee just wasn't having it that was kind of frustrating to see and then Jake Paul puts the nail in the coffin, knocks Nate Robinson clean out, and what do you say? Jake Paul now has two wins under his belt. We didn't... I respect Jake for saying the things he said at the post-fight. Little, you know, the little interview that they gave him after the fight. You know, he's saying the right things. Listen, you know, I know people are not taking me serious. You know, this is something I'm taking serious. And, you know, he's calling out people in the McGregor camp. I 
I definitely would see him fighting somebody like Dylan Dennis, whether it's boxing or MMA, who knows, but clearly Jake can knock somebody out, so... So he's got something. Yeah, I mean, there's something there, but I don't know if he takes out somebody like Dylan Dennis. And then again, a he's lot of people... A lot of people don't even like Dylan Dennis, so this is kind of a situation where you can kind of... Like, MMA fans are surely going to watch because a lot of MMA fans cannot stand Dylan Dennis whatsoever. So it'd be interesting to see whether it's a little bit more competitive, mm -hmm. you know, or does does Dylan Dennis pick him apart, you know, and then... Jake Paul obviously said that he wants to fight somebody like Conor McGregor. I don't even think Conor has the time of... I mean, is there potential to make a lot of money? Sure. But I just don't see Conor going from fighting somebody like Mayweather to jumping back in the octagon, winning against... Well, he lost against Khabib and then won, you know, he won against the uh, Cowboy... But I just don't see him punching down. You know, I don't see him giving Jake Paul even the chance. You know, like I said, if should Jake Paul ever score a match with Conor McGregor, it is going to be a huge deal. Gigantic. Yeah. Um, the social media relevance that that carries, you're going to have all of conor mcgregor's fanboys you're gonna have all of conor mcgregor's haters you're gonna have all of jake paul's fanboys you're gonna have all of i mean that does an easy four to five million five, i'm gonna say four to five million pay-per-view buys if not more so you know and again, there's a lot to be said about these celebrity-style matchups, these celebrity boxing events. You look, you had Snoop Dogg. You had Snoop Dogg commentating. You had Israel Adesanya, who made a guest. He made his debut commentary. Um, you know, you can kind of see where MMA and boxing are starting to kind of shake hands. Then again, this has been something that's been slowly developing over the past few um over the past few years i remember i think when e ufc 4 was coming out they even offered a promotion where if you pre-ordered ufc 4 you would get the tyson tyson fury versus deontay wilder three match free the match never came to fruition unfortunately but you can kind of see that this idea of mma just being an mma fan only sport uh, boxing being a boxing only fan sport you know it's the, all blood sport it's all blood sport they're all kind of blending together you're seeing personalities from different as you know different sports kind of co-mingling and it's gonna do nothing but help the sport the ufc's doing their part and hosting events boxing bella and other mma promotions are now following suit um you know, I I, I kind of wanted to bring, I, I, I would love to see the, I would just love to see fighters making more money, having more opportunity to make more money. I know with the increased social media presence that these combat sports are getting, you're going to get a lot of new fans, you're going to get a lot of new haters. Shout out to Megan Anderson who blocked me. I didn't forget about you. Um, but it's like... I get... See, I said her name. I said her name. I said I wasn't going to say it, but I said it. Um, you're going to get a lot of press. And I don't know how... I guess it brings me to my next thing. How do fighters deal with some of the criticism that they get? I know fighters always love the praise. I know that some fighters can deal with constructive criticism. Other fighters, <coughs> Megan Anderson, don't really deal with it as well. 
um, it's going to be interesting to see how much more of that spotlight changes how fighters are perceived or changes how the fighters themselves perceive the fans. Um, but I digress. Um, in terms of MMA, uh, there's a fight going to, I think that we're going to have a fight come on in a couple hours here tonight. Um, Yoel Romero, seven years with the UFC, parting ways. Uh, a long, unfortunately never won a title with the UFC, but he has always been one of those people that you just don't want to fight. And it kind of sucks that the UFC let him go, but it does seem to me that the UFC is kind of trimming the fat, as they say. Um, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Obviously, we were supposed to get Leon Edwards versus um, Chimaev, Kazmat Chimaev. I hope I said his name right. But Leon Edwards coming out with the positive COVID test. Looks like we're going to have to wait even longer to see him back in the octagon. Um, that hurts, you know, especially when the UFC's cutting, uh, having to cut these fighters. I, I don't know if the UFC goes with a formula where they start to, maybe they cut the fighters that are giving them a lot of trouble, you know? Maybe they become a yes, yes, like a yes man, yes woman type of organization where they only have fighters that are willing to fight. You look at Figueredo, I mean, Dana White handed him 50, 50K in cash backstage, and he's going to be fighting on short rest. Um, you know, does the UFC stay with fighters that are against unionizing? Uh, I know a lot of people have called like, hey, you know, these fighters, they should unionize, they should unionize, but I just don't see the union serving any big-time fighter. I don't see the Daniel Cormier's. I don't see the Conor McGregor's or the John Jones of the sport supporting a fighter's union. I don't think so. I just don't see them, you know, because that would hurt them. You know, they would ultimately get a pay cut in order to help their fellow fighters gain more huh I said your eyes look pretty oh thank you <laughs> they're um i just don't see them uh sticking up for their fellow fighters i, I if you're going to unionize it would be obviously for more equal pay equal rights but you know if they're going to get anything they should lobby more for a health insurance plan you know maybe yeah. the ufc has i don't know how the ufc structures its medical team and it's the care that they give to fighters um you know, I remember Al, I, I remember a story that Ally Akinta said where he was, you know, he had to have knee surgery and the UFC wouldn't cover it. He had to pay for the knee surgery out of pocket, although the knee injury he believes was sustained in the octagon. Um, so you they, know, they need workers comp. Yeah. And then what happens to these fighters that are young and they get hurt early in their career? Look at what happened to this guy, uh, Sage Northcutt, when he left the UFC and he went to, um, was it Ryzen or one? Anywho, he had his uh, Sage Northcutt, the fight that he had with this guy, the guy punched him and I mean, his first fight and his whole eye was smashed in. And you don't even know if he was going up against somebody that was using steroids. You know, the, I mean, that was like, that hurt. Sage Northcutt, although he didn't have a lot of, uh, tons of success in the UFC, he made, he did make a lot of money, but they're like, you know, for the UFC to part ways with him and then for him to go to a, you know, where's he fighting with now? He's fighting, is it one horizon? I, I think it's one. Um, you know, he sustained that orbital socket injury. That that hurt. Somebody so young to have such a career-threatening injury like that, you know, it would behoove 
it, should the fighters decide to band together and unionize? I know Leslie Smith was a huge advocate for the fighters union. Should the fighters decide to um, band together and unionize? I would really go for some sort of health insurance policy or some sort of trust fund that takes care of fighters that have to leave the sport early. You know, take care of the athletes because these guys largely, you just, you don't want to see sad stories. It's already bad enough that these guys are punching these guys and girls, you know, these men and women punching and kicking themselves into oblivion. And then they leave the sport and they are just, they are but a fraction of what they used to be. You know, so that's what I'm saying. Let's just take care of our fighters, and maybe they don't. You maybe they don't have to unionize to get that point across. Maybe they take the UFC to court, and the UFC decides to settle. Say, hey, listen, our bad. Yeah, don't unionize. How about this? In exchange for you guys not unionizing, we'll put out a trust fund that'll help players, uh, fighters. You know get taken care of whether it's either in their career or post career you know i know the nfl has been kind of proactive and uh trying to find ways to reduce concussions i have a whole thought process on that i, mean, I feel like they traded one set of injuries for another i feel like for the lack of concussions that we see we're starting to see tons and tons of leg injuries now that the tackles are going lower you're seeing star players like odell beckham jr Saquon Barkley, Robert Griffin III, Michael Vick. You're seeing all these stars that are having all these crazy leg injuries. And I feel like the NFL is now having to deal with a whole new set of injuries. It's like, well, it's better than getting a concussion injury. But it's shortening the lives of these players, man. I'll get into that in another podcast. But, you know. When football comes back. Oh, oh boy. Oh, yeah, oh, I mean, football's already back, and we technically could start talking about it now, but I just, you know, I haven't done enough research on it to give a well-educated, you know, I just don't uh, want to be talking yeah. on my ass. I already sound like I'm talking on my ass about MMA, so. Mm -hmm. um, Pick a sport. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I guess that's where we're leaving the uh, MMA or combat sports talk. Um, is there anything else we have? We have... Tyson, we have MMA, combat sports, we already spoke about COVID and the great beyond. We had our momentary section to... Oreos. Uh, what about Oreos? Oreos, there's a lot going on with Oreos apparently. Well, yeah, so uh, we'll close the MMA and we're going to take a large jump from the world of MMA to the world of Oreo cookies. My love, what did you find out about Oreo cookies? That Lady Gaga is going to have some cookies come out in six cookie packs. They're going to be pink and green Oh, do in tell. January. And what do these pink and green cookies represent? Um, oh, man. I didn't write it down. Peace and love, basically. Let's see. Lady Gaga Oreos. And then there's like a site. Sing it with Oreo that on December 15th is going to open. Let's see what we got. Oreo is tr Excuse my French. NBC News New York reports that Oreo is dropping Lady Gaga-themed Oreo cookies. Woo! They look pretty. Uh, by Ali Walansky. Apparently Lady Gaga is going to be, uh, I guess that's a seasonal variety cookie. Ooh. It's a very interesting pack. It kind of threw me off there. It's like, what, people going to want to reach through that little tear in the... Uh, <laughs> And we're going to reach through the uh, pack to try to steal some cookies. And what promises to be the most glamorous cookie yet from the brand, Oreo has announced that it will be launching Chromatica, collaboration with superstar Lady Gaga, named after her sixth studio album. According to a representative for the band, the Lady Gaga-themed Oreo cookie are pink-colored golden Oreo cookies with a green-colored cream and feature three Chromatica-inspired cookie and, and bruisements. My grandma loves golden cream. The golden ones. I'm guessing for her. So, is this the thing that you were telling me about how they were... The messages? Yeah, they're going to have a thing on Yeah, the... singitwithoreo.com. I think it opens the 15th. That you can make Oreo grams. The 15th of December? Yeah. Oh, so it's not that far. I thought it was yeah. going to be like a January thing. No, no. The messages are this month. Oreo grams. You can record a message at the site, and it's turned into a song, and then you share it. 
listen, with everything that's going on, maybe we need a little bit of love. They, they quote, want to spread musical messages of kindness throughout the country. Man, whoever is going to be working that desk at the Oreo company, having to filter through all of those messages, you know, like, because they're supposed to be all positive, And yes, you're going to get an overwhelming majority of positive messages, but you're going to get those freaking creeps that grow on, that, that go on and just be just say like some lewd ass like i'm gonna put my balls on your forehead you know like it's gonna be it's gonna be awful and just those one or two people that i mean that guy that guy's gonna need to be given a good paycheck (laughs) you know hopefully uh hopefully the oreo the oreo company has a a strong uh backbone backbone because i could totally see a lot of people using that to spam oreo with hateful messages um, They're also coming out with gluten-free, a gluten-free version in yep. January. For those of you guys who are gluten-sensitive, Oreo will be going gluten-free. But is it going to be all? Is it going to be all Oreos? No, they're going to put out a gluten-free Oreo. Oh, so we're still going to have our regular Oreos, and then they're going to have a, a specific gluten-free, gluten-free friend. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a gluten-free brand of Oreos. Yeah. So we can all enjoy Oreos. I wonder how that's going to... I got to... I don't know. I have not had... They, they waited this long. They must have been trying to perfect it. So you yeah. got to believe that it's going to I got to believe delicious. that the gluten-free game has completely leveled up because... I mean... I've tried a couple of gluten-free things. Like... And, oh God, I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get hate for this. What are you talking about? I'm, I have celiac and I, I... There's tons of gluten-free stuff. Listen... My mommy doesn't eat gluten, so I I know. I'm just not a gluten-free guy. I like gluten. I need the glutenoids. Sometimes I bring you stuff from home that's gluten-free. I just don't tell you. I mean, there's tons of stuff. There's Honey Nut Cheerios is gluten-free. There's a tons of cereal that I eat that is really? gluten-free. Yeah. You know, I'm just talking about the obvious stuff like, you know, Domino's cheesy bread and Philly cheesesteak sandwiches, uh, you know, things like that. So, you know, uh, shout out to Oreos being progressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do you have here? The Star of Bethlehem and Beetlejuice. Beetle now Beetlejuice. For those of you guys who don't know, that's that orange star in Orion. It is the brightest star in the Orion constellation. It's the second brightest. I thought it was no, the brightest. Who's the what is the brightest star in the Orion constellation? Can you check that? Yeah, let me just let's see. As Joe Rogan yes. would say, put that on the board, Jamie. Put put that up, Jamie. <laughs> the answer is Rigel. Rigel? Mm-hmm. Rigel is the brightest star, and Betelgeuse is the second brightest star of the Orion. Orion constellation. Now, Betelgeuse... Betelgeuse is my favorite star. Now, I read something that... You know, back in the day, there was fear that should Betelgeuse go supernova, you know, there was a lot of speculation as to what would happen to the Earth, that it would be hit with a bunch of gamma radiation and blah, blah, blah. They have since debunked that. Uh, But now they're saying that Betelgeuse is actually smaller. It's actually smaller than what it was once believed, and it is actually closer to our solar it's about 20% closer to our solar system than once believed but it's like 550 light years away lo and behold it is still i guess would be in the safe zone should a betelgeuse star explode and turn into a black hole we should be out of harm's way um we should be out of harm's way should something happen to that star. And I don't think it's going to be for another few hundred thousand years. They say it's like 200,000 years that it's still got to go because it's young. Can you imagine that? I mean, and there was, you know, there's so much speculation on how would, what would we see here on Earth should a star like Betelgeuse go full-blown supernova and... It would be brighter than the sun, I think, for a second there. They say that it will either a rival the moonlight sky, yeah. you know, like it'll oh, the moon, that's it'll what, like that's outshine the moon. Imagine that, like getting 
imagine people somebody on a romantic evening I mean the stars and the moon my love it's gonna be oh, total gosh. I mean super romantic I mean people are gonna be outside like crazy even though they're probably gonna be baking it'd probably be more dangerous <laughs> to be out during the day in the nighttime than it is in the day but quick get a star tan you know you just imagine the universe as infinitely large and as far as we are from the nearest stars to our solar system if they explode we would see these things like we would be able to see these things happening you know like well, look, kind of because every time you look at a star you're time traveling because it's that many years ago yeah that many light years you know whatever it distance. takes that many years for the light to get to you so really Betelgeuse if it exploded we right now we're not sure about it because it take it's 550 light years away yeah but I think if it exploded we would see it sooner than yeah but not like right away you know because saying. the force of the explosion you know like mm -hmm. we're seeing Betelgeuse the star as it as it is right now you or know right or now. a relatively like, right you know light us. year whatever light years it is behind us but as of right now it hasn't exploded i gotta believe that once it explodes i kind of feel like you know like that'll be a very quick event you know, like, it'll it, it'll happen suddenly. I wouldn't say within a day or two, but, like, you know, i got to believe that, like, once it happens, like, we're going to see... I got 50 years instead of 550 years, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, to just look out in the sky and to see something that is brighter than the moon or just as bright as the moon, you know, that would be super trippy. Um, I, I pray that it doesn't harm the humans on this planet. Lord knows, we still have a lot of growing as an organ organism. Um, but yeah, that's I, th I think it's pretty interesting. And then, when Betelgeuse dims, or once the star of Betelgeuse, once the Betelgeuse star has been dimming, and they were like, "Oh no!" But they're they're okay now. They're like, "Oh yeah," because they it, thought it was maybe just it, some gas. But yeah, they, they thought it was like a, a dust cloud. Mm. They, they went through several periods over the past couple of years where it like kind of dimmed a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that, like, I mean, I wonder, like, once that star goes out, they're going to have to rethink the that constellation. Used to be Orion. Huh? That used to be Orion. Yeah, like, wh what will they call that structure now? Will they still consider it Orion's, you know, like, the star of or the constellation of Orion? Will they rename it to something? You know, what, what will Betelgeuse look like without mm -hmm. that star? That's Orin. Right? They just take out the overall. <laughs> You know, but shout out to Beetlejuice, still doing his thing. <laughs> um, Speaking of stars, the star of Bethlehem is going to be in the sky. Is so it, that's what they say it is. But is So where is the star? So the star of Bethlehem is not a star, right? I think it's like Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars, like being bright together. That's cool. that, that was what my research showed. But it hasn't been seen this this this. What do they call it? The Great Conjunction has not been seen for 800 years. Okay. So, star points. Upcoming conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn to be a memorable sight. The Great Conjunction. March 4th. Two so that's what they call it. The Star of Bethlehem is called the, the Great Conjunction. Way back in 1977, this column carried a summary uh, i'm reading uh baltimoresun.com oh i got my information from space.com let's see pardon me an explanation supporting this conclusion in the biblical book of matthew upon entering the land of judea the magi or the wise men all right i don't want to hear the backstory. i just i want to hear what it actually is excuse me so Jupiter and Saturn will create a wonder, a Christmas star. On the 21st of December, 45 minutes after sunset, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. So we are going to be able to see it? Apparently, yes. Because every time we get There's a... There's something cool. It's always in the Southern Hemisphere. Or it, it, It's either in the Southern Hemisphere or it's raining <laughs> or it's cloudy. I, every time I don't know what that the weather I, is for that day, you know, like, so I can't help The last that. cool thing that I saw 
was the blood moon. On my birthday? Yeah, when the moon turned like blood red. That was my, that was my birthday. That was the coolest thing that I thought I saw. And yes, I was at work when we had that solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. And this guy let me put on a welder's mask so I could look at it. And I was on Lexington Avenue and 103rd Street. And I got a chance to look at the sun right down the, you know, as it was happening. But it was, you know, like it was pretty cool to see like everything got dark for a little while. And then, it, you know, that was pretty trippy. Yeah. Every, and you could tell like it was like a sense of like adrenaline rush, you know, like it's supposed to be completely bright. But like you could feel the darkness, you know, as the moon. In. You know, as the moon crossed over the sun's, you know, path. So um, the one that they think that happened for Jesus' birth was on February 25th at 6 BC. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a German astronomer determined that a series of three conjunctions of the planets Jupiter and Saturn occurred in the year 7 BC. He argued incorrectly that a planetary conjunction could create a nova which he linked to the star of Bethlehem modern calculation shows that there was a gap of a nearly a degree approximately twice the diameter of the moon between the planets so these conjunctions were not visually impressive an ancient almanac has been found in Babylon which covers the events of this period but does not indicate that the conjunctions were of any special interest um, it depends on who you are, I guess. That's from Wikipedia. So, you have some people believing that the Star of Bethlehem is a planetary configuration. You have some people that suggest that it's going to be that it's a comet, a so. comet, and others believing it's going to be a supernova. But for this conjunction, that's that's what we were talking about. Supernova, I don't know. These events, however, occurred after the generally accepted date of 4 BC for the death of Herod. Since the conjunction would never have been seen in the west at sunset, it could have not led the Magi south from... So, it looks like there's several beliefs of... Well, his is in 7 BC. This one is in... That they said is in 6 BC. In 6 BC, there were conjunctions... Slash occultations... Eclipses, I should have just said that, of Jupiter by the moon Aries. Jupiter was the regal star and that conferred kingships, a power that was amplified when Jupiter was in close conjunctions with the moon. The second occultation occultation of April 17 coincided precisely when Jupiter is in the east, a condition mentioned twice in the biblical account about the star of Bethlehem. So, okay, so yeah, that's what you were mentioning, how in 6 BC, so... yeah. In in six BC, it looks like these people believe that the Jup, you know, Jupiter kind of doing its thing. And um, well, this won't happen again till twenty eighty. Yeah, because you were like, just you know, you said before this happened. When when did it last happen? March fourth, twelve twenty six. And then all of a sudden, from March fourth, twelve twenty six. I mean, the world's ending. What do you expect? Then. From March 12, 26, then to the year 2020, and then when's the next year, the next one? 2080. In 2080. Why is it all of a sudden that, like... Well, look here. It was kind of close also. It's such a large gap, then a short gap. Then a large gap, then a short gap. Yeah. Uh, you know. Space, man. It's trippy. <laughs> I remember that whole thing. I mean, when I was in school, I was a believer of so many apocalyptic scenarios. <laughs> At first, it was Y2K. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That one I wasn't too big on. Then it was... Um, it was Planet X. The Planet X theory. Mm. And I remember going around my high school spreading, like, doomsday theories. And I was handing out pamphlets. You were? Yes. Wow on how I thought that, I mean, this is when the internet was getting crazy, you know, like, Mm -hmm. this is when everybody was touching the internet, this was like the birth of the explosion of the internet, Um, but we freaking, I was going on the internet and I found all this information about, like, Nibiru and 
how we had a red dwarf that was slightly just outside of you know of, of our uh, visible light spectrum and how no real light can touch it but there is one there and every 13,000 years in the you know and you depending on which calendar you were using um, oh, the Gregorian calendar. The Gregorian calendar, the Sumerian calendar, the Mayan calendar. They all report that at some point there was this big red ball that crossed the sky. And it, you know, like we would know that it was coming because a few days, seven days before it arrived to planet Earth, it would st the, the, the magnetic force of this red dwarf would start to kick up dust in the atmosphere and uh that would basically all any iron that was in the dust would 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 rise up and cause a huge cloud of dust that would cover the earth and freaking as it when the brown dwarf got even closer to earth the gravitational pull of this red dwarf would cause the earth's inner core to start spinning faster almost like when you have two opposing sides of a magnet touching how you feel that force that oppositional force mm. and that that where you yeah, make your hands like, like yeah mm. and, and the red dwarf would basically not hit earth but just it passing in between the earth and the moon or whatever would be enough to disturb our earth's core and it would make the earth's core spin so fast that it would lose traction to the upper mantle the upper mantle will then stop spinning and the upper mantle by the upper mantle stopping its rotational force that would be the equivalent of getting hit with like a sixteen thousand mile per hour wind which would level the entire surface of the earth and that was my theory uh that was my end of the world theory that I remember sticking to. And it never happened. <laughs> so shout out to my younger self for going through the extra mile. You know, which is why I know, like, I myself have partaken in the tinfoil hat theories in this world. Which is why I exercise great skepticism when anything is brought to my attention. You know, like... I remember when I myself was captivated, my young mind was captivated by a piece of information. I was watching the Discovery Channel, Nat Geo and all this stuff, and they were talking about doomsday scenarios. And, you know, the Planet X theory was the one that stood out most to me, you know. And I remember just researching all these websites, these forums, these scientific journals and all this, you know, they, just to prove my point. And for what? And you know, like it never came true. You know, like that's when you had actually for, that's when you had to research and Wikipedia didn't have yeah. anything. And, you, had and, a, you actually had sources. And, and stuff. I remember, like, they had mathematical equations that I tried solving myself. You know, like putting <laughs> down on paper, like, well, if they say that this happened in this it's year and that calendar, y. and yeah, you know, I was trying to convert Sumerian calendars into you know, like to our modern day calendars, trying to calculate leap years, and you know, like. It was the insane, like, it was insane the <laughs> amount of effort that I put into it. If I would have put this much effort into my schoolwork, I would have been teaching at Oxford. I would have been right there next to Stephen Hawking, and I would have been there at Fordham University with, with freaking Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I mean, it was insane how much I was, like, into that stuff. But then again, I'm a huge fan of, like, Doomsday movies, apocalyptic yeah, movies. Yeah, I noticed that. Twister. Uh, Who doesn't love Geostorm, Twister? Geostorm, Volcano, Dante's Peak, you know, The Day After Tomorrow, all these movies, like, uh, that's just my thing, you know? I'm always, I'm, I'm a huge space junk. I'm going to end up making my own version of Star Talk radios, but it's going to be like... Hairbrain. Hairbrain conspiracy <laughs> theories, you know? <laughs> I'm sure we'll get Eddie Bravo to, uh, to join us, but um, I guess... We'll leave that one for the next podcast. We have a section here, hopes for the new year, but I think we'll record one more. It's only the 5th of December, but I think when we get back together before the end of the year, we'll drop another episode out and we'll give our New Year's resolutions. We'll look each other in the eye and and hope that we can be better next year. Let's say keep a straight face while making funny faces at each other. Right. <laughs>
<laughs> you know. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I know we went all over the place, but that's what we kind of do here sometimes. We can't really keep a straight line. And hopefully you guys will hang out with us for the uh, for the next episode. I'm super happy that we're able to get these cool fancy mics. Um, I believe that they sound pretty good. What do we got here? I like this question. Ah, right. And in tradition of the previous episodes of the Not A Paid Sponsor podcast, we are going to leave this episode, the second to last one, mm -hmm. we're going to leave this episode with a question. And hopefully by next week we'll discuss it. And this week's question is, <clears throat> is there inherent order in nature or is it all chaos and chance? We'll leave you guys to ponce, uh, We'll leave you guys to ponder that question, and we'll discuss it next week, or whenever we get a chance to recording our next episode. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys for listening. Don't forget to leave a subscribe. Uh, oh, we got somebody ringing doorbells. We got company in the house. So we love you guys. Thank you guys for listening to this episode, and we will see you next time. Bye.